Hi St. James, this is the sermon for the 15th of May 2022 in English. I'm going to read, we're looking at um, Acts 11 verses 1 to 15 and John 13, 30 to 35. I'm going to read the Acts reading and of course you can read the John reading in your own time but we will look at it today. So I'm reading from Acts. I'm going to read from the NRSV, uh, which is the Bible that our NLT Bibles are based on. Because it's an English-speaking sermon, I feel it's okay to use a slightly more complex script. So, Peter's report to the church in Jerusalem. Now the apostles and the brothers and the sisters who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticised him, saying, Why did you go to the uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to him, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. And there was something like a large sheep coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. And as I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men, sent to me from Caesarea, arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and saying, Send a dropper and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. This is the word of the Lord. So this is the second time the story is told in the Bible. The first time is obviously in Acts 10, when it's told as it was happening, as opposed to this is Peter meeting the circumcised believers and uh, telling them about what's just happened. Why does Luke put it in twice, one after the other. Um, he, uh, Peter could have just, he, Luke could have just said, Peter told us what happened and then we did this. But he doesn't. He makes sure that we hear the story again in really quite a lot of detail. I think this implies that this is a really important story. This is a, a changing the way we do church, a changing the way we look at life type story. And for Luke, it's really important that this is not misunderstood. It's really important that we understand what God is doing here. And don't, as the circumcised leaders did, get stuck on details that aren't actually what God is doing. So to start, we need to remember that Peter is not a Christian, he is a Jew. He follows the Jewish religious laws as laid down in Deuteronomy. He will not eat animals that are unclean. He will not talk to a Gentile or mix with them. He will definitely not eat with them and he will not enter the house. That is not to be done. That is unclean. Cornelius is a Gentile. 
but in our in our section I know it's Cornelius because I've relaxed 10. If you just relax 11 it's this unnamed man maybe that's to protect him we don't really know but he's not mentioned by Peter by name but he's a Gentile and he's a centurion. So this is the story of gossip I think being undone and God doing amazing things. It's the story of Peter's life changed and his view of God being enlarged. Peter has had an amazing time in Caesarea and he's gone to uh, this house. He's shared the word of God with people who didn't know anything about it before. He's seen lives change. He's seen the Holy Spirit move. He's seen, and he stayed several days and obviously eaten with them and enjoyed the hospitality. And before he can get home to Jerusalem, the news has gone before him and judgments have been made about him. It's just so human and so disappointing, so, so disappointing and so, so common in institutions and absolutely in churches. The elders react to Peter with absolute indignation and unkindness. There's no humility. There's no protecting Peter's honour. It's just fear. It's important to remember that Peter is part of this institution. When God does a new thing, often he has to talk to the institution at least three times to try and help them to understand what he's doing. Institutions have the most to lose when God does something new. When the status quo is rocked and new people try and take power, it's the institutions that lose most and therefore the institutions that are actually most afraid. When we look at the wording, it's really important. Peter goes back to Jerusalem to the on to the circumcised <laughs> the circumcised believers in verse two. Why do we need to know what's in these men's trousers? Why is this so important? Their reply is why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? The, uns, the circumcision is so very important. When we look back at chapter 10, verse 45, the people who were surprised that the Holy Spirit came were those of the circumcision. Luke doesn't call them the believers. He doesn't call them the church. He doesn't call them the gathered. All of those words have been used before. No, he calls them the circumcised. It all goes back to Genesis 17, verses 7 to 11, which is when Abraham is called. Um, and uh, it's where the promises are made. So if I were to read Genesis 17, verses 7 to 11, this is what we hear. I will confirm my covenant with you, and with your descendants after you, from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God, and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan, where you now live, as a foreigner, and you and your, to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, 
and I will be their God. And then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. So circumcision is our part of a covenant, a promise made with God. It marks the people of God out as different, different in their behaviour, but also different in their self-identity. We find in verse 7, they are a belonged people. I will always be yours. Often we talk about ourselves as being gods. I'm God's servant. I'm God's friend. But here, God talks about himself being ours. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. They are a people of blessing. Not only do they have God, they are a blessed people. I will give you this land that you are, you are camping in. And they're a people of faithfulness and responsibility. I will always be your God. I will always bless you. But you have a responsibility as part of that. So there are people who work with God. They share a responsibility, but they own God. God is theirs. And you went to the house of uncircumcised and you ate with them. This isn't a problem of a dislike of a people group. This is a problem of difference of history, of identity, of claiming who you are and where you are. If I own something, then it is mine. And you can't take it from me without asking. If it's mine, I get to say who has it and where it goes and I make sure that it's kept the way that I like it. And here was Peter giving away what was theirs feels uncomfortable. I mean, who could claim God? That's a ridiculous thing to say, but yet it's God who says that I am your God. That this is why it felt so wrong. Peter took something that was theirs and he gave it away to people who might not respect it in the same way as they did. So it's really important. It's really scary. Peter has to, has to, has to prove to those people that what he did, he did with the authority of God. We see in verse 5 the reasoning, Peter's reasoning. All sorts of tame and wild animals, it says in the NLT. Um, the NRSV labels them all. I saw four-footed animals and beasts of the land and birds of the air. For us, it would be like saying cats and dogs and monkeys and chimpanzees and dolphins. Today, we don't do clean and unclean, but we do do appropriate and inappropriate. It is inappropriate and cruel to eat animals that are endangered. We find it inappropriate and cruel to eat animals that we build a connection with, like dogs and cats and hamsters and guinea pigs, to eat a cat my cat's just climbed off the uh, sofa now. To me, it would be awful. NLT says, animals wild and tame. 
it's saying we don't do, we couldn't imagine doing this we can't bear to, can't bear to even think about doing this he's reminding them he's peter's reminding his friends i am one of you i find this stuff abhorrent too i would never eat an unclean animal no unclean animal has ever touched my lips just like you i am a good believer i did whatever i did out of the goodness and rightness of my heart and with the blessing of God. I am not against you. So he's putting himself on purpose with those who are accusing him, saying, come with me. Let's start, start off in the same place. We are both Jews. We are all Jews. Now, talking about Judaism, in Hebrew, language numbers are really important i've spoken about this a couple of times i find it really fascinating numbers are really really important we see these numbers that are important repeated again and again in scripture sometimes they're used uh, to emphasize a certain point sometimes they're used to to explain something and in a deeper way just using a number rather than a whole sentence and here we have the number three it's used again and again in this passage, and it makes me smile. So what is this about the number three? Shalosh is number three in Hebrew, and it means new life, harmony, and completeness. It's used 467 times in the Bible. Can you imagine? Number three appears 467 times in the Bible. God often says things three times. I think, holy, holy, holy. It's an indication of a complete change. And this is where we see it. Uh, Jesus goes back to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane three times. Samuel, do you remember Samuel's call? How many times is he called? Three times. Peter denies Jesus and is reinstated in John 21? Three times. Jesus had surrendered completely to the will of God in Matthew 26 4 and Matthew tells us he prayed three times in 1 Samuel 3 8 Samuel is completely called God calls him three times Peter is utterly totally and completely forgiven with new life in John 21 15 to 17 Jesus asked him three times. Here, boundaries of what is clean and unclean are completely broken. Peter and God have this lovely chat three times. This is where Peter is saying to his listeners, this is the authority of God. He completely called me there, completely told me to do this. I did this on the complete authority of God. Remembering in the back of our mind this three thing, three men arrived from Joppa, just as uh, Peter's had this, this vision three times. And in verse 12, six men go with Peter. Oh, six and one is seven. Seven is used in the Bible, even more than three. And it means completeness. So here we have 
these Gentiles coming to see Peter, they have all they need. And Peter going back to the Gentile house with six other people, it's a complete representation of the church. He has the complete authority of the church. There were seven of them. This is completely done. It totally changes the identity of what the church is. What it means to be Christian. The Holy Spirit is poured out on Jew and Gentile, washing over the differences while they still stay Jew and Gentile. God's love and his forgiveness and his acceptance wash over all of them there. In our John reading, Jesus um, is speaking to his disciples just before he goes, just before he is betrayed. And he says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. But they're all the same, aren't they? They're all Jews. They're all his deep, close friends and followers. And so when he says to them, love them as I have loved you, it's okay. Well, we're all friends. We can do that. In Matthew 22, verse 39, Jesus says, love your neighbour, those that are unlike you, as you love yourself. But our story this afternoon turns that and makes it bigger because our neighbour has now become one of us. Our neighbour who we love as, love your neighbour as you love yourself, has changed and become when you love your neighbour, you prove to the world that you are one of me. If I love you, I prove to the world that I am a Christian, not that you are. When Peter proves to Corn when Peter loves Cornelius, he is proving that he follows Jesus. Not that Cornelius follows Jesus. Here we are at St. James then. We are a mixture of Jew and Gentile. We're a mixture, and everybody imagines themselves as a Jew. That's how we do. We always do that. We always picture ourselves as within the in-group. So here we are, a mixture of Jews who are all Gentiles in each other's eyes. Because we're all different. We have different history, we have different promises, we have different baggage. And yet, when we love one another, we prove that we are followers of Christ. We prove that God is bigger than creeds and nationalities and ethnicities. He loves them, he doesn't take them away, but he is bigger than them. He's doing a new thing in his church where he says segregation is a thing of the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. I pour out my spirit on everyone. We stay different. Cornelius didn't come up to Jerusalem with Peter and go, now I'm going to do this and you're going to do everything with me. We stay, we stay different. And yet the Holy Spirit is greater and unites us. So as we look at this passage and as we pray, what are we praying and what are we thinking and how are we changing our vision? We are used to talking about the afternoon services. 
This is it's become a short-term uh, phrase in our church. But this Bible reading is saying there is no afternoon services or morning services. There is the people of God, filled with God's Spirit. And when we love other people, we prove that we belong to God. Not that they belong to God, but that we belong to God. So let us go from now. Stretching our vision of what is okay. Stretching our vision of who is okay. Stretching our vision of what we can learn from one another. Stretching our vision of who is in. We are all Gentiles to each other, and yet we are all Jews. We are all in Christ. Let's pray for one another. Let's not be like those followers in Jerusalem who gossip and who label, but let's stand at a place of humility and watch God change his church. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you are a living God and active at St. James. Father, we pray that you would fill us all again with your Holy Spirit. That we would become part of your story in Alperton and wherever you've placed us. Father, thank you that you keep us embedded in our history and yet cover us with your acceptance and your love. Father, would you equip us with what we need to love one another. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week, St. James.